They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Shatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. And I said, mate, you need to familiarise yourself with the theory of cause and effect. It's not a two-way street. Cause leads to effect. Deliberately giving yourself a shocking case of jock rot, it's not going to make the build-up set in any quicker. Smith! Uh-oh. What's going on? More! Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Let's go. Quick, quick, quick. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishers and welcome aboard the tinny as we saddle up and gird the loins, pull the whip and head on the home straight towards the season of joy and goodness and build up. That's right, the Darwin Cup has been run and won in this part of the world and that generally typifies the shoulder season where the dry season is starting to wind to a close. The humidity is starting to creep up. And we're in for the long, hard build-up haul. But there's goods. There's goods to be had. There's joy to be had in amongst the fungal infection and the discomfort and the the prickly heat of the build-up and the wet season. Because Barra go absolutely nuts. And if you don't have a build-up, you don't have a wet season, and you don't have a runoff. There, my friends, is the circle of life. And there's a little seasonal wrap of how it all works from Rob Smith. It's an interesting, I mean, that's a long-range prognosis. We're not quite at the end of the dry, but the, the cup is kind of the, the signal of the shoulder. Mm, I certainly got the shoulder. From the bookmakers. Oh, didn't we what? Did we ever. Mm. Although I took my child for the first time just to introduce her to the, the TAB, the tote. Here's how we write, you know, DR8. Here's how we pick a horse. Mm. We choose colours and we choose nice names. A little lemonade for her, lemonade for dad. First two picks, winners. 56 bucks up. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. Mm, I'll be to family services soon. Yeah, that's right. No, got, this is, got to, got to this is core educational stuff, Tim. Yeah, it's part of the great pastiche of life, sweetheart. See that man behind the computer? He's going to have all Dad's money by the time we walk <laughs> out the door. Yeah. It's an interesting notion, isn't it, though, that if I was to jump in the pool now, mm. then go and do some weeding and gardening in the wet underwear, then move to do some grinding and a little bit of welding then go back and do some more gardening, then go to bed in those very same pair of jocks that are still a bit damp by this stage. If waking in the morning, I had the jock rot set in as a result, because that'd that'd have to be a surefire recipe, wouldn't it? It'd be close. Yeah. Uh, Will the build-up arrive with it? 
I don't think so, Tim. You need to investigate the rules of cause and effect as well, my friend. Were you not listening? An interesting Were you notion- not listening at the pub earlier on? <laughs> I never listened to you at the pub. Or at the okay. TAB. Or the don't, TAB. Don't blame your friend. No. It's a, it's a place to genuinely switch you off. An interesting notion, nonetheless. This hour, however, on the tinny, we will explore the shoulder season and what goodies it provides towards the end of the dry. And there's plenty of them, from billabong to blue. Felt this like grasshopper praying mantis on my back. Had absolutely no motor functions at all. So we thought, seeing she's on a fish, we better not put the toilet seat lid on. But I've got a few hurdles to jump. Tales from the Tinny. Where we've heard a bit of talk over the last few weeks about fishing in and around Coburg, including that Ripper video a couple of weeks ago of the thousands of barra gathered together at the Merganella Crossing. Lisa's caught up with a bloke who's just returned from a uh, successful trip out that way. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm from Darwin. A little birdie tells me you've been hitting Coburg recently. Ah, uh, yeah, we went two weeks ago down to Coburg. We um, stayed at Willigi, so it's a little hour station there. Ten metres from where you camp is the sea, so really good fishing. You wake up in the morning, it's just bust-ups everywhere, tuna, mackies jumping out, gone crazy. A lot of bay fish around the joint. Wherever you look, it's just fish. Sounds like a fisho's dream. Ah, oh, it definitely is. You can't sit around, you just want to do something, catch fish. It was the first time I've been and the first time their family been as well. It was a bit of like a learning curve. We spent about the first two days trying to find bombies and reefs and that because it's a very sandy bottom. But once we found the spots, it was just fishing was just crazy. All look good on the sounder? It, it tends to chop and change. It was very like flat. It's just a real sandy bottom. But when you get near the islands, it just all of a sudden it's just rocks and coral. And we found two spots where it drops from 10 meters down to 30 meters. And the moment we hit that, we just did a drift over and we we're jigging. And the sounder just lit up. There was just fish everywhere. So we're dropping down micro jigs, ripping them up. You're catching big trevally, queenies, big mackerel. We got onto this, a lot of them. And also long tail water was sitting a bit lower down as well. Your long tails were like, they were everywhere, but they were all around that 80 centimetre mark to like that metre mark. So they were really good fun on like you. The mackerel, we lost some really big mackerel. I landed one was over a metre, but my girlfriend, she got one that was like metre 15. Once you find them, they're just everywhere. But... They're all around that, like, the mackerel especially, they'll be in schools where they're only, like, 60 centimetres or there'll be schools where they're just all over a metre. Were you just using lures to bring those up or were you bait fishing? Using lures, but uh, my girlfriend's dad, he was doing a bit of bait fishing to see if we could get any jewies or goldies or coral trout that might have been laying underneath the schools. It was mainly just lure fishing. Other people that were there, they found a spot where they were, said they were just catching coral trout left, right and centre and they got a 12 kilo cod amongst it as well. So we hit that spot up the next day, but it was real choppy. So we just were casting, trolling and jigging. So we just got the max and tuna, but we couldn't get anything off the bottom. The weather conditions when we went probably wouldn't have been the best in the afternoons because it pick, the wind picks up and then the swells get really big. But when we were there, the moment we wake up until about one o'clock, it's just glass. And then it just changes and then it just goes real bad. You reckon you'll be heading back anytime soon? Oh, definitely. Definitely be out of Coburg soon again. How about Barra? Did you check out Mini Mini? We had a look at it. We never launched just because people were saying the boat ramp was very bad, but you have to get it on a high tide. Other than that, we didn't really do much with Barra. I tried once because you wake up in the morning and you maybe one or two big Barra buffing, but I never got onto them. But I, I did see some new campers that came in, catch a little 60 off the rocks. Yeah, mainly just blue water, trying to get all the reefies and pelagics. 
What about the billabongs? Have you been hitting those lately? I did Karabri about a couple, maybe two weeks ago with a mate and we are cleaning up really, really big toga. The biggest one we got was about 87. Between me and him, we probably got about 12 Saratoga over 60. And how are you targeting those? We were just using small little frogs and we're fishing just where the weed bank is or where the lilies have all died because there's just heaps of structure. It's launching as far back as you can and then I was working I was working mine very fast, just on top of the surface like a walker dog and the tiger would just come out and just nail it and you have that odd barrier around there just coming up and buffing it but it was that was just hitting anything and everything. And they, they fight pretty good, eh? Yeah, especially when you're fishing light gear because I was only using six pound. Was that for the challenge or how come you just went with the light gear? I just wanted to catch a big fish on my little 1000 so I've just been trying to get a barrel or something over 60 and then ended up with a Saratoga or was 87. Now during the runoff you landed what we could only call a horse. A 134 horse of a barra that was towing your boat creating a one metre bow wave. Have you had any more hits like that recently? Nah, not even close. You still look back on it and you're like, did it actually happen? And then you see the photos and you go, yeah, it did. But nah, nothing even close. Just barrow. the biggest barrow I've got after that was probably 60. <laughs> nah, I don't think I'll be beating that fish in a long time. Coming into the build-up, you got any plans? Once the rain comes, I might do a bit of build-up fishing for barrow. Where are you thinking? Might do a bit of South Alligator, but definitely going to do Shady Camp, hit it real hard on the build-up. With that favourite lure of yours? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Sounds like you've got some great trips coming up, mate. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Cheers. You wake up in the morning and there's just bust-ups everywhere. Tuna, Mackies, launching out of the water, just crazy. That was the take-home quote, wasn't it? It's, that, it's you know, That's poetry, Tim. Yeah. That's why, even though... It, it, towards even the end of the dry season, you know, we're still getting these strong sou'easters that are keeping us off the water a bit. That's why you go out there now, because sure, you might get shafted by the wind, but you can enjoy waking up in a swag and looking out at those bust-ups without sweating. Just, you would not be dead for quids. Tasmania beat out the Gold Coast to secure ex-HMAS Darwin, a 140-metre-long frigate that was decommissioned last year. The frigate would be towed to Tasmania in December and scuttled in Skeleton Bay near St Helens. Hear that? What? Yeah. Now, there's plenty of hoys this week. What? <laughs> But that young lady from the ABC News was one of the most offensive hoys that we've heard in a long, long time. Oh. The HMAS Darwin, named after Darwin, fishos. That we lobbied to have left in Darwin. By lobby, we talked about it once on the tinny. Now, what more do we need to do, fishos, on your behalf? It's going to Tasmania, but there's more. Diver Peter Paulson has been campaigning for an ex-Navy ship dive wreck since 2001 and says it would be a big draw. The expectation is between five and 7,000 divers a year. What? Yeah, Tasmania? Mm-hmm. And the HMAS Pe- Darwin? Yep. And Peter, with all due respect to you, which actually means with none whatsoever, you can go jump. It's five to 7,000 divers. Imagine you sunk that off the north coast of the Territory. What, 480,000 boaties 
spending money at the local tackle shop, boosting the economy, spending money at the outboard mechanics, maintaining their boats, buying their boats. I'm not, and I'm, that's no exaggeration. 480,000 at least would be going to visit to recreate with their families on the namesake of the town in which they live. And I did anything. Like, Peter, I know you're probably a good bloke and you're lobbying for your community, Mom. but, mate, you can just get ratcheted. Ratcheted? Oh, yes, 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 Tim. That's a new one. It is. We're talking about submissions for uh, substituting words. Yeah, Last for week, the uh, for the beep. We came up with dragged, spooled, whatever. Oh, I gotta. You can go get ratcheted. That sits. Yeah, yeah. I have to uh, take my hat off to Dave from Wallagi. Oh, who threw it in? They said that way. Mm. Yeah. Ah, oh, I, I just had been fishing for 24 hours, caught 40 jewies, and I was absolutely ratcheted. Yeah. Like it, though. Yeah, yeah. Don't like it, Peter Paulson. Did you see them? The, I saw on the BBC News. Lebanon. Even Lebanon. Do you know what they're sinking in their harbour? No. Tanks. True story. They're sinking <laughs> tanks. Of course they are. They're putting 10 <laughs> tanks off the coast of the Mediterranean there to get tourists to come and dive mm. there. Mm. And fish off. They wouldn't be sending Lebanese tanks to Peru or Nicaragua. They're keeping their Lebanese tanks where the Lebanese tanks should be, just like where the HMAS Darwin should be. That's right! Is Darwin. Oh, Tim, I'm broken. Listen, okay, to change our mood, Hoy from Gus the Butcher. Is this uplifting? It is uplifting, actually. G'day, mullets. So I was busy one midday at work punching out the protein projectiles. That's uh, sausages, I'm assuming. But I got a call from my daughter, Mickey, or Michaela, who lives and works over at Cox Peninsula. Mm. Hi, Dad. Just ringing because I won't be able to come into town this weekend for your birthday or get you the usual voucher from the big green hardware store. Now, I say, of course, that's okay, sweetie. But then she says... But how does a two-night stay in a front cabin at Crab Claw with boat hire for me and a mate sound? Yippee, I said. That sounds sounds fantastic. Sounds bloody good. But then the weirdest question, Mm. she says to me, Gus says, Dad, can I come fishing with you? (laughs) And I go, yeah, sure. You know, she's my daughter and I love her, but she's a vegetarian. And this is somewhat out of character. Hang on. Gus is a butcher. Yeah. And Michaela's a veggie. Well, that kind of explains it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sick of seeing meat, Dad. It's all I've seen since I was bald. <laughs> I hate the smell of meat. I hate the look of meat. So there oh, we well, were. Sorry to let you down, Dad. I know it's your chosen career, but I'm not into it. It's all right. I'm just not into it. I, I still love you, sweetie. I still love you, darling. Oh, Mickey, you're still my favourite little daughter. My favourite little sausage. <laughs> Don't call me sausage, Dad. Dad. Dad, not funny. I told you when I was two, that was not funny. Do not call me sausage. So anyway, there we were up a small creek in Bino, flicking away, talking and having a couple of tinnies. It was really great. We fished from sunup to sundown and she even had the pleasure of being a tidally locked in. <laughs> it was a magic weekend. The best... Dad-daughter sort of experience a bloke could possibly ever hope for. Mm. Especially with all those chops on the That's right. on the, on the camp cooker. <laughs> but I thought when the weekend drew to a close, you know, that would be that. And she would move on to her next interest and, and fishing would be so yesterday, Dad. Yeah, especially, yeah yesterday. especially after you got her locked in. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> with the midges and mozzies, right. Gus. Yeah. 
So you can imagine my surprise when she asks, Hey, Dad, for my birthday next weekend, could you get me a big tackle box? You know, those beauties with both cantilevered and slide-out trays and capacity for big mobs of lures. I've got to tell you, boys, a tear of paternal pride and happiness rolls down my cheek. Oh, that's gorgeous. Followed by hilarious laughter as I grab my phone to get a recording of this rare <laughs> and amazing request. <laughs> that is up, both uplifting and heartwarming. Gus. Good on you, mate. Get a mullet up here, he says. That is, that is what given ahoy. Uh, it's not really to us. It's to the rest of the church of the tinny. That's what it's about. Yeah, that, is, that is definitively sharing the love. A bloody oath it is. This is not, though. Oh. And when we, we mention often welcoming everyone in the church of the tinny, but I, I'd like to propose we excommunicate Packy Andy. Not again. Yeah. What's he done this time? Uh, he's now been caught and the photographic proof's been sent in. A trip to Corroboree. The entire esky are filled with sparkling water and non-alcoholic beer. Now, you've got to respect someone who tries to just hold off on the beer for a while, lose a bit around the waistline. We're not getting any. We ourselves have tried an alcohol-free tinny. But why would you bother non-alcoholic beer? Why are you even... Are you trying to let other boats nearby see you with what looks like a beer? Now, it's me... such a shallow, transparent attempt to maintain integrity when you've got none. No, no. Look, I, I'm not going to. I'm going to jump. Just ship give here. it, give it up. Stay on the sparkling water. With you, I'm going to get on board with Packy on this one. I've long been. We've had this discussion many times. You're a mid-strength all day, all day long. Correct. On the water, off the water. I've long been a proponent of light on the boat, heavy when you get off. Mm. And so I where's think, the place for alcohol-free? Well, light beer What's is the pretty point? much alcohol-free. You have to drink 20 to actually get a... Completely illogical and bordering on... So irrational it's almost insane, no, no, no. that argument. I'll have you, Andy. Don't worry about it. Clayton has hit us on Facebook. So I can't excommunicate him? No. Okay. No, you need a quorum, and you haven't got one. <laughs> Sorry. Clayton. Fishing at abc.net.au is the email. If you Church. want to provide Tim with a quorum. <laughs> Can you please? We need seven. <laughs> Clayton, Clayton Archbold has hit us on Facebook. Not a fishy tail. Caught this barra in the harbour the other day. Had no tail at all. Totally sealed up, so I must have lost it young. This was an incredible Yeah, pick. yeah, or born that way. So there was no actual fin bit at all. It just was chopped off at where it narrows down at the back there. A stump. Yeah, about 45 centimetres long. So what do we call that? Probably a 58 centimetre fish, really, possibly, in reality. So I let him go. He wobbled off Okay. You can see that pick at ABC Tales from the Tinny. Wobbled off like a drunken... Uh, albatross. Drunken albatross. Uh, Trevor at Craig's <laughs> reckons, like lots of people, corroboree, billabongs have been busy. 20-plus boats on each of his recent visits. Well, they've had good numbers caught. Uh, good fishing sight casting at Bino recently. Trevor said he went... He told Lisa, actually, who chatted to him, he went 32-21, which is like a sailfish report. You've got to assume that's... What, 32 hooked and 21 landed? 21 boated, you think, yeah. Bring, bringing, correct us if we're wrong, Trevor, but bringing some sailfish stat vernacular to the Barramundi fishing world. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Heard reports of sailfish and marlin, speaking of which, uh, hooked and landed offshore wider Dundee. Hardy's been doing well as well. Brian Redmond of Angler's Advantage said the harbour's been fishing well for javelin fish, grunter. Uh, golden snapper. It's looking good for the weekend as the tides are building, but there'll be some wind around Saturday and Sunday. He reckons head to sad groves to get out of the wind or, or shelter around the headlands at East Point of Cullen Bay. He also reckons uh, Little West Arm and Woods 
are good for a flick. There's barra around. They're a little bit cool at the moment, but he reckons over coming weeks as the water warms up, they'll be on. You can give us a hoy too at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook or email fishing at abc.net.au. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. Hi, I'm Jerry from Ballarat. You're into piercings, the NT punk look. Me with a fishing fly, barramundi fly, jammed up in one nostril of my nose and coming out the top of the nose. Just like a piercing that you'd get at the local piercer. But you did it yourself. My only fear was that with it jammed in my nose that somebody, because there was a lot of people coming out laughing, was going to trip over the bloody fly line and uh, take me with it. That, that would have been a bit uncomfortable. So it wasn't going to come out backwards, or I was going to make sure it didn't come out backwards. So uh, I yelled out to the old mate next door, Merv, and Merv's a bit of an expert in getting these things out. He says, don't panic, don't panic. Well, I wasn't panicking, he was. I was wishing that he'd get on with it instead of standing around while my wife was videoing and everybody was cackling. And also it was tickling like crazy. It was tickling, it was a, a tickler. Anyway, he got his side cutters onto it, give it the old heave-ho, and uh, the stainless steel hook just flew in opposite directions, and it was out. And I'd have to say, a lot of people have said, well, what a bloody shit fisherman. He's casting flies around and sticking them up his nose. What's the go? The truth of the matter was that I was actually tying the fly onto the line, or onto the leader, and in pulling the knot up, I grabbed the uh, tag of the knot in my teeth and pulled like crazy and of course it pulled out of the tooth and zing goes the fly up the nose. There's a family relation to Glen what mud bank? We're cousins. Um, I've never run my boat up on a mud bank ever. He's probably never had a fly in his nose so you know we all cocker. He spent considerable time, several stubbies I'd say, telling me or justifying how this happened. Uh, I'll leave it up to you to hunt him down and try and get any other further truths out of him. You know how to find me, Glenn. I know where you live now. (laughs) Our new favourite punk rocker. Thank you for your time. Good on you, Lisa. Thank you. Lisa the brave. Brave and tenacious in her hunt for truth and justice. If she can't find you and she wants you, She'll hunt down your family, your extended family. (laughs) Stay tuned too, Lisa. Special guest is due to arrive at the Tinny Confessional shortly. Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Tinny boys, church and tackle! You know how much we love science here in the Tinny, don't you, fishers? It's great. Yes, we do. (laughs) It's great. We talk about it all the time. You never shut up about it. It's getting quite boring. <laughs> well, you're going to be bored some more because we have this, <laughs> there's nothing better than yarning to a scientist about science, particularly when it's fishy science. Well, there is something better, actually. Yarning to two scientists about fishy science, which is precisely the situation I found myself in during the week. Really, really bored now. How <laughs> did fisheries? With our regular crab guru and uh, full-on fetishist Mark Groover, and also Ruth Patterson from CDU, who's also a bit of a crab fancier. They're not fetishists. They're professional, upstanding scientists. You're the one with the crab fetish, and you try to push it on them. 
Well, we both do a little. Yeah, projection, I think it's called, yeah. isn't it? Ruth's carrying out her PhD research on the mysterious movements of our mighty muddies with the aim of gaining more understanding of this extremely angry but equally delicious creature. So we tried to do a model simulation of where the crab would go, knowing where it was caught and what time of year. And it actually, the crab went in the opposite direction. So we had quite a challenge on our hands trying to figure out how the crab actually moved to get to the location where it was actually found. And it was quite a a significant distance it moved. Yeah, so it moved 200 kilometres southeast. It was released at the Roper and found its way all the way down to the Sir Edward Pelu Islands. And you thought it was going to go northeast? That's right. If it was going to float with the currents and be transported by a combination of currents and wind, it would have headed north. And so what has that told you, this plotting? Yeah, so after a couple of model trials, we figured out that the crab was actually using the current to move. But not only that, it would have had to have swam with the current and then... I guess buried or or gone down to the bottom when the current was heading in the opposite direction as to where it wanted to go. So we generally think that mud crabs are just, well, small and violent creatures that taste good, but it's obviously smart enough to know when the current is moving in the direction it needs to go and when to dig in when it's not. That's right, and that's pretty amazing. It's really cool science. We can definitely explore this with other species and also with uh, crab larvae and larvae doesn't actually just passively move around either we know that larvae actually swim um, in specific directions so that would be a major challenge but a, a really exciting one okay thanks ruth mark how are you mate good thanks we've been uh, speaking about you for a number of weeks now because there has been talk about the kimberley crab the red crab some people call it the rambo crab because it's so full of angry pills You've got a bit of research on this creature. Yeah, and that Scylla olivacea, it's actually been through a naming process in the last few months. So Rambo didn't get up then? No, Rambo didn't get up, unfortunately. So it's been declared as the orange mud crab, as an Australian standard fish name, and the giant mud crab for Scylla serrata, which is the larger of the two species that we find here and the more common species. Anecdotally, the orange crab, the Kimberley crab, seems to be making significant inroads to uh, territory fisheries or crabberies. Is that the case? Yeah, well, it's a native species that's always been here, but it does seem to have increased in numbers in the last couple of years, certainly in the 12 years I've been here. So it looks as though it might be out-competing the other species in a couple of areas, and that's perhaps due to uh, lower salinities driven by higher than average rainfalls over the last 15 years or so. It's a a smaller of the species because the other one's called giant? Yeah, carapace width is generally smaller, but the claws are disproportionately large for the size of the crab. So the claws actually look larger, whereas the shell is a bit smaller. We tend to find that very few female orange mud crabs exceed 150 mil carapace width. And the biggest male we've got, I think, is about... 168, whereas the giant mud crabs getting over 20 centimetres in some cases in the harbour. We all love acronyms, but particularly in the world of science. Um, is TLB a thing in your world? Toey little bastard. Uh, I don't have a regular acronym for that one, no. <laughs> because it does seem, even though it's smaller, the reports are that they are a lot more aggressive than the standard green or our, our mud crab. Yeah, that's certainly something I've experienced as well. So... Um, 
I did manage to do some work with WA Fisheries over in the Kimberleys uh, in 2015 and so pretty much everything that we caught over there was orange mud crabs. So yeah, you really had to be on your toes dealing with... You had to be on your toes or lose one. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> now, Ruth, in your research, uh, looking at currents and stuff, you were telling me you sometimes use rum bottles. Yeah. This um, is high science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so any, anything that moves, any floating particle or something that moves with the current is of interest to me. Could I put it to both you scientists that this is possibly why the Kimberley mud crab is more aggressive because of the amount of rum bottles that you scientists are putting into the water and floating around and filling these crabs full of angry pills. Mark? Well, I would have thought the alcohol would actually slow them down. but <laughs> Not rum, mate. It just brings them out punching. OK. Well, yeah, we could do an experiment testing different liqueurs and see what happens there. And it was at this point that Timothy finally managed to find his way out to DPI Fisheries, whereupon he inserted himself aggressively into the interview, <laughs> much like a bundied-up mud crab would do, actually. Mm. Yeah, Mark, just a quick uh, couple of follow-up questions that I think Rob might have flitted over. The key questions, which tastes better? Uh, seems to be the giant mud crab, Scylla serrata. We do have a lot of people say that the olivacea tastes different. It might be actually due to where it's actually living and the water chemistry of the particular area, but the jury's still out, I think. Well, if the big boy's bigger better bang for buck, more meat and tastier. How do we get rid of the Kimberley mud crab? Uh, well, the orange mud crab, it's just one of those things. It's a native species and we just have to watch the numbers ebb and flow, really. How do we change the numbers back? Oh, uh, it's, it's not something for us to do, I don't think. It's just a... How do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I can see the line of questioning here isn't going to end, is it? Is the uh, orange mud crab, the Kimberley mud crab, the Rambo mud crab the maritime equivalent of the bush chook. It's native, yes, it's protected, yes, but we all want to eradicate it. Well said. Get rid- Some native species weren't meant to exist. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> no comment on that one. <laughs> Who would win in a cage fight between the giant mud crab, the one we all know and love, and this invader, this imposter? I think for the crabs of the same carapace width, it would be the orange mud crab. Just another orange-footed scrub fowl, Rob. And I hate to do this, but we have to ask, does the orange mud crab have a bum hole? Well, like my crustacean, yes, it does. Is it identifiable to the layman? I'll let you look first. Have you got photos? No, I don't. Thanks for your time, guys. No worries. Thank you. Tales from the Tinny. Fisheries senior researcher Mark Grubert, the man with the most extensive and comprehensive collection of mud crab porn in the Southern Hemisphere, and Ruth Patterson, PhD candidate from CDU. Now, if you want to get a bit of fishy science India and you're in the Darwin region, Ruth is giving a yarn at CDU on Monday Arvo the 13th about her research. And get ready for this. This is just, this oozes sex. Integrating oceanography and biotelemetry to model marine animal movements in remote tropical waters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But in truth, it's fascinating stuff, and Ruth's got some amazing modelling mm. showing movements of creatures around the Gulf. Well, look, the finding that mud crabs are moving 200 k's against the current is a surprise to mm. probably everyone. But just further proof that a, a mud crab will do whatever the hell it wants. Regardless of you modelling me, I'll do what I feel like. 
Red, fast, and free. Presenting the tales from the tinny fish measuring sticker. Some say it's been scented with a barramundi pheromone. Some say it's scientifically proven in the effective removal of leg hair. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a tales from the tinny fish measuring sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the tinny on Facebook to get yours. And what a lather of excitement the release of the new Red Go Fast 120 YYY Delilah sticker has just caused across the nation mm. and the planet for that matter. Lathering. Got a bit of a wash up from last week to get out of the way first. Do you remember Ian Pup Wainwright? Well. Thanks for the shout out lads, he says, just for the record. Depending on the circle of friends, I do get referred to as puppy <laughs> or pup. I thought he was. Rarely Mr Wainwright. So, phew, that's okay. a relief. The, the point is, now we know we can call him puppy. You can't assume that's right. A nickname. It gets I, you in lots of hot water. I have learnt my lesson. Yeah. Anyway, puppy goes on to say, however, the missus seems to be calling me old dog more and more these days. <laughs> that happens in life. Pup. Post-mortem on the Bucks, Bucks party from last week. G'day, fellas. It's Archie here, the Buck. Oh. Hope you're doing better. He survived. He yeah. survived then. I hope, hope you're doing better than me and the, the other fellas. So, still struggling. Thought I'd report in on what was an outstanding week up in the north. I've managed to survive it unscathed with eyebrows and engagement still intact. We ended up catching a few tuna off the surface as well as a couple of metre dewies on uh, a charter boat. Tested a barra fishing dam south of Berry Springs which landed everyone a barra. Fishing a barrel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mate Brooksy has now got me hooked on your show which is quality. Well, that's unusual you think so. Thank you, Owen. <laughs> and if never is ever up for an interstate trip south, well, he always is there... He's there most days. Yeah. Could he bring me one of those big red brag mats so I can use them to measure my cod? Cheers and keep it up, guys. Yours truly, Archie the Buck. Mm. We need to clarify there, just to manage expectations, mm. while it can be used as a brag mat, it's a sticker, so don't expect a big rolled up... Vinyl thing. Yeah. Uh, P.S. Brooksy's missus did a lot of organising for the trip. I was wondering if Nev could swing her one of those stickers too. Bloody oath. They're on their way. They're in Gunnedah, New South Wales. Well, and we'll send one to Anula in Darwin. Now, here's one from Cindy Freckleton, mm-hmm. who we probably know better from Redcliffs in Victoria. We probably know her better as C out of the big F and C. Aha, aha. Who her mates with Russ, who Russ we hear often on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the C out of the big F and C. Hello, C. As the big F is out feeding the sheep. Kelly pleaded with the big F to help her get Russ from the do's life back on track. Now, this will no doubt be in regard to the worrying tofu fetish. He turned Vego, gave up beer, and then went down south to a pink concert. That's right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. his wife was really worried and needed our help. Yeah, so so Big F came to the rescue. Russ and Kelly spent the weekend with the Big F and C, and it seems this might have just done the trick. He went and watched the Bombers beat the Swans, was eating meat pies and having a few frothies, then watched the Tigers beat the Pies, again, with dog's eyes and frothies. Oh, we're coming good. Oh, yeah. To keep the wives happy, went to the Pink concert with a big F. To recover from Pink, the big F insisted on a full day at the pub to eat steak and drink full-strength beer. He's a counsellor. Excellent counsellor. P.S. The big F said I just explained too much. <laughs> no, you didn't, keep See, it, Keep it simple. He just wants a bloody sticker. <laughs> See? Love it. If you would not be getting a sticker unless it was for C's correspondence. That's right. So well done, C. Now, there's Thank some you. great names in that, in that crew. You know, C and the, F. Yeah, the big F and C. There's the Filthy Swine. There's Dade the Prawman, Dirty Dade the Prawman. But then you've just got Russ 
Yeah. Russ from the do. I'm thinking we should maybe. He's ah. <laughs> no, we should. I reckon we should uh, plant him one. What about tofu from the do? <laughs> Ouch. Fishing at abc.net.au is the email address. If you'd like to get a sticker, spin us a yarn, entertain the church, uh, or you can message us at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Wallet was soaked, keys were soaked, case of beer, the bottom fell out of it. Picked up this jerry can off Kaz Beach, swam back out to the boat. They really got at me. Tales from the Tinny. Message hot off the press from Facebook. Mm. Timmy, Tales from the Tinny at Faceache. Hi, boys. Now, it's not signed by anyone, so let's see what eventuates. Hi, boys. Empowered by Mark Grubert's brave and quite public acknowledgement and ownership of his mudcab fetish, I feel... <laughs> Which you whoa, forced on this, him. This is we my, forced on him. Um, I feel that it is time that I too came out of the crustacean cupboard to loudly and proudly <laughs> proclaim my solidarity with him in his particular peccadillo. You mean you, your solidarity with Rob? <laughs> I too find myself titillated and even aroused by not just the reproductive but all biological and behavioural characteristics of species Scylla, a.k.a. mud crabs. You've opened the door to the fetishes here. Yeah, Whoever yeah. would have known such a cohort had existed if you hadn't have been brave enough, bold enough to just ask the question... Is there such a thing as a mud crab fetish? Well, it turns out there is not but one in yourself. There are many. There is an online forum. <laughs> Attached for your consideration and possibly even enlightenment is an article on the mating behaviour oh, of atta- the orange mud crab Scylla olivacea. There's an attachment. Mm. I draw your attention to uh, section 3.11, which features a detailed description of crustacean debauchery. It may be of listeners' interest. Oh, dear. Can I suggest we use the working title of Fifty Shades of Scylla? Perhaps with an appropriate musical accompaniment. Look, I'm happy to go with this attachment, Rob, but I'm feeling on edge because mud crab, debauchery and fetish were all used together there. Uh, We're a family show, except for now. Turn the radio off if you've got kids. The entire mating process of Scylla Olivacea lasts for 82 hours, plus or minus 10.8, and consists of four distinct phases. Pre-copulation, molting, copulation, and post Copulative protective caging. <laughs> Copulation occurs while the female's exoskeleton is still soft. Subsequent to molting, the male crab flips the female over using both his chillipads and walking legs. Both crabs face each other 
and the female opens her abdomen, exposing her gonopores to allow the insertion of the male's gonopods and the transfer of sperm. Now, this process is conducted over a mean duration of 6.6 hours, plus or minus 30 minutes. Cool, bloody hell, Tim, I've heard it's safest. We get out right there. Mm. Steamy. Whoever would have thought there was such a thing as post-copulative protective caging. But this is word for word fact, Tim. It's from a paper called Mating Behaviour of the Orange Mud Crab Scylla Olivacea. The effect of sex ratios and stocking density on mating success. Well, six and a half hours lasting plus or minus 18 and a half hours. There's no problem. It's tantric. It's tantric. This is fully tantric. No problem with premature performance in the mud crab. And it just goes to show, Tim. Show what? Science is great, isn't it, fish ice? All those bubbling beakers and bunsen burners and machines that spin. You get to mix stuff together, cut stuff open, blow stuff up. Trouble is, you've got to do years of boring books and exams and all that crap before you get to do the good stuff. Until now, that is. Prepare to slake your thirst for knowledge, wannabe boffins, and throw your weird square tasseled hat in the air as you graduate with honours. Because TFT Enterprises is proud to announce the establishment of TFT University. One, two, three, ABC, TFT University. Uni TFT is unrivaled as an institute of online educational excellence, offering universally respected qualifications in diverse fields of intellectual endeavour. You can attain diploma, degree, master's and even doctorate level quals from Uni TFT on a sliding scale of upfront fees. Enroll, pay, graduate! Ilki venet ad bonarum literarum. Hear that, fishos? Latin! Hooray! Log on to unitft.edu.org and follow the prompts to select which field you'd like to be a certified genius in. Just fill out the credit card details and graduate away. TFT University. You can't fail. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uni TFT. It's just more must-have merchandise. And exclusively the intellectual property of... Tales from the Chinny Enterprises. Tales from the Chinny. Tides and um, lineups at... Boat ramps have been causing some grief over the last week. Obviously, it was a, well in the top end. It was a long weekend because of the Darwin Cup. But Nikita sent a thing on Facebook, a pic of uh, waiting for the tide to rise at Dundee. I think I counted 19 boats floating just off the ramp. Wow! Now they're waiting for the tide to rise enough to retrieve on a 24-hour all-weather, all-tide in inverted commas, boat <laughs> ramp that cost four and a half million dollars. It's great social time though, Tim, isn't it? Oh, Meet what, new people. What a great hangout. <laughs> John Russo too sent some pics to, of the Diner Beach boat yeah, ramp over yeah. the weekend. I saw it on one day, I forget which day it was, but man, they were parked right around past the chook shop. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. The lineup was insane. I was there on Monday and there was not one car park left. Like It was genuinely chock-a-block. Maybe it's time, Robert. We go the opposite way. Instead of removing big homes and building lots of little ones, 
building more homes and building more homes. We wipe out the homes and we replace it with a car park. With parking? Mm. Of course, there should be at least a, like, I don't know, 30 hectare exclusion zone around boat ramp. Yeah. Allow yeah. for expansion. <laughs> Love it. That's right. Took over an hour to retrieve, apparently, at some stages over the weekend. Oh, you know that chat we had last week about Rowan's 95 on oh, corroborate, corroborate. Uh, yeah. paddles? A cryptic little chat had in, ensued on Facebook that I wanted to discuss with you. Oh, okay. It started by Jules, who commented, uh, oh, it could have been us, but Dave had a boo-boo. What, is that, had a cry? or Jules eventually sent a screenshot from her phone of Dave's boo-boo. He couldn't go because he had gout. Huh. We wanted to go fishing at Corroboree or Hardy's, and Dave was like, yeah, I'll let you know. It was a long weekend and he had the time off so we couldn't see the issue. Then he sent us a picture of his knee with ice on it and said he couldn't go. His nickname's Bull. I'm not even sure where it came from. I, I think the knocking back fishing because of a sore knee probably means he's not as tough as one. Certainly not. Anyway, Jules reckon we were just taking the piss out of Dave because, you know, you don't need your knees to go fishing. Oh, I think you do, Tim. Now there's the question. <laughs> now there, Jules, uh, is I... what is what we need to discuss. Do you need your knees to go fishing? I think you need a knee to get into a boat. You need your knees to brace under the gunnels when you do get a 95-centimetre slapper. You need your knees. Yeah, and you need to be able to handle a net. Jules, can you imagine if it was you and Bull? You said, yeah, come on, Bull. You're soft. And you just had thighs and calves but no knee in between? Just imagine, just imagine Jules. <laughs> You've gone fishing. You said, come on, Bull. You're too soft, just come fishing. You with, don't it, with, his dicky, with his gout-ridden dicky right. knee. Then, Jules, you happen to hook up to a metre 35 ah. slapper. Ah, this is the lay-down argument right here, Robert. You have, you certainly have your hands full. This slapper is running you around come the on, boat. Dave, get come the on, net! Get Hurry up! up! Chase me around! It's going to gill-rake me, Dave! Get it! But I told you, Jules, I've got I gout, got in, me gout knee. in me knee. I think you can see our point there, Jules. Oh, speaking of which, Paddles, who kicked off that old thing with a pick in the report from Corroboree, mm. he's just kept it coming. Uh, a 101 on Monday. When the ponies were getting bets laid on the track, we were slamming them on the flat. That's awesome. Solid stuff. August fishing. It is. It was solid harbour fishing any time of year. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them running up here. <laughs> hey, it's Shane Campaign from Tackle World, Coolalinga. The kind of transition of the weather's starting to change. It's not as cold anymore. Still beautiful weather. And as soon as the weather starts to heat up, generally that means the barra are going to start eating. Finally. It's been frustrating. <laughs> and what have you been doing with your downtime? Getting itchy hands? I've still been sneaking out. Don't worry. I've still got to get my least hourly fix a week or, you know, just some time in the water. But it has been tough with the dry season. The barra just, the bigger fish are harder to catch. And since this initial changed and weather's heated up a little bit the fish have started to feed a bit more aggressively and then starting to see bigger fish i've been doing everything from the billabongs and the full moon we went out last full moon had a spectacular night you know full moon i think it was probably like 23 degrees there was no mosquitoes it was just one of those nights and we got seven fish over 80 probably another 20 legal fish and i'm talking rod in the right holder min coder on beer in hand just kick back and just the easiest most relaxing way to fish and it was just such a productive night I'm hearing the same sort of uh, stories from other people who are fishing other billabongs and that, so it's just kind of that weather change. Um, I even tried the salt. We went out in the harbour last Tuesday or Wednesday night. It was originally started off as 
oh, you want to go for a flick? Yeah, I like, because one of my work colleagues, Dean, he was like, yeah, we'll just go for a flick. And that ended up turning into a 1.30am getting out of the boat ramp. But we didn't leave because the fishing was on. Like, we landed seven legal barra to about 68, 70, and dropped another 12 on surface lures, on hard bodies. It was We sight-casted a few, so it was unreal. Good, fat, healthy-looking fish? Yeah, definitely. They're all pretty plum still. I don't know, they get hard, they're harder to catch in the dry, so you think they're obviously not eating much, but they're still all well-conditioned fish. They fought hard. They just, I think they just eat more come the build up. They just get more aggressive because, like, we're getting them on the tango de- or surface walkers. In the moon, like, that was awesome. In a cup foot of water, you'd work them real fast. You'd see the bow wave and then they'd explode on it. So to get surface strikes, the fish have got to be fired up. Like, it's very hard to, to get a barrow to eat on the surface. So and the, the switch has definitely changed. And it's the water temperature that's firing them up? Definitely. I reckon it's water temperature. What else is happening or what have you been hearing uh, fishing-wise around the traps? Hearing the odd selfish report, it's been tough, but then the odd boat's raising a few. The blue water for, like, Dewey's and Goldies has been unbelievable. I deckied a day last Wednesday or Thursday on a full day. We got seven Jewfish over the metre mark, lost another five or six Goldies, and it's been that similar sort of fishing every day. Like, Charlotte just come in from a half-day charter. They landed three and lost nine, but that's typical Jewfish. They just blow you away. So the, the blue water's been unreal. So you're getting a lot of happy tourists coming up who've never seen the top end or never d- experienced the fishing and to catch a mid-along Dewey, pretty, pretty wild experience. Build-ups around the corner. What do you got in mind? I'm sure there'll be something. I'm goddamn excited. <laughs> I'm already planning a few trips. These big barra, they tend to rock up. They school in big numbers. And, you know, at the moment during the dry or the pre-warm-up, you're catching like an 80 is a good fish. But, you know, come the, the build-up, that's when the... The 95 is an average fish to 99. I don't know how many 99s get caught in the build-up, but we always wonder where those magic metre marks go to, but it's just the time of year for the bigger fish. I know I'll be doing the South, Shady, Shoal Bay, just all the normal areas that everyone loves to fish. Everywhere. You'll be Johnny on the spot. Everywhere, yes. (laughs) In the runoff, you got your 50th metery. Have you increased that number since the runoff? I have, yeah. I got that in Feb. I'm up to 56 now, so I've got a few more, but I'm hoping to get 60 by the end of the year. It's, it's doable. It's doable. I'll put my money on you. Thanks for your time, Shane, and uh, good luck for the build-up fishing. No problem. Thank you. Yes, my son? Forgive me, Tinny Brothers, for I have sinned. It's been 12 years since my last confession. What would you like to confess to, Captain Watt? Well, yes, I'd like to confess to spending around seven hours on a mud bank in Little West Arm a little while ago. It wasn't the most pleasant of times, but I, uh, I think I've repented since and before. Now, uh, my son, I think we need to come a little bit cleaner. Details, when we're in confession mode, all truth must come out. This was not a mud bank. This was a mangrove cage yeah it was more of a mangrove cage and and that's one of my defenses is that there was three foot of water either side of a big mud lump which i ended up on (laughs) as the tide was falling three meters in two hours yeah there was no getting off that so this aforementioned mud lump wasn't on your charts captain what uh no it's in an unsurveyed area of the harbour (laughs) talk about insult to injury that must have been frustrating seeing all that water right around said mud lump yeah, it was. We were high and dry with an ocean around us still, uh, with no escape. And looking at the live tides on my sounder, I'd calculated it to be around dark before we were due to get off the water. 
But how do you end up in a mangrove cage on a mud lump in the first place? Well, uh, we were having some really good luck crabbing that morning. Um, we already had half a dozen big bucks in the esky and I just wanted to get that last pot, you know, and uh, I zigged when I should have zagged. As opposed to one last cast, which often gets us in, in trouble, Cap, the body was one last pull. Yeah, that's right. And, and I only had a couple of clients on board and I only wanted one or two as well, but we were on, I thought, so yeah, I kept going. It was the wrong thing to do. So as soon as you're on the mud lump, you've established it's going to be dark by the time you get off. How do you confront this truth and tell this reality in empathetic terms to your clients? Well, you feel silly for saying I'm so sorry so many times, but uh, one of the one of my uh, things that I did do was give them a chance to have a talk to each other about me while I went for a walk and tried to f- sort of navigate uh, the, our fastest route out when the water did return. So that was an hour and a half walk through the mud. I went out to um, find the channel, and and by then I think they'd got it off their chest of how how much of a poor skipper I was. You didn't uh, bring the ukulele or the squeeze box out from under the, the front casting deck for a little bit of an impromptu you know, entertainment, a bit of a knees up? No, well, luckily I did have plenty of music there and, and we did have entertaining conversation and stuff as well, So um, and a sat phone to call for help, which was the most important thing. And I'm sure their relationship is better for the experience, Waddy. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we had towels um, gaffer taped around legs to stop the midges and the whole lot, so yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. We'll come to your penance shortly, but is there anyone else you think needs to be coming to confession at this time? Well, I mean, I I did call the Heritage Listed Guide as my first point of contact (laughs) for rescue, uh, knowing that he would have felt guilty by saying no, seeing as it wasn't so long ago that I actually pulled him off the mud in Bino Harbour. Oh, yes, hang on. This was a story that did sort of come to surface. Uh, tell us the details. Yeah. Revenge is sweet, Waddy, is it not? Well, I, I wasn't looking at it that way, you see. Justification, you know? not revenge. It's not, not vengeful or spiteful in any way. This is just setting the record straight. Yeah, it's about clearing your soul of any uh, <laughs> ill thoughts, isn't it? No, um, yeah, Graham had miscalculated the tides one morning in Bino Harbour. And, mud lump again? Uh, out the front of Crab Claw. Island, so it's a big mud lump. Oh, the place he's been fishing for over 20 years. Yeah, that's right. And he says, oh, I just anchor your boat off and it'll be in the same place as it was where you left it last night. And uh, I don't know how he got it up there last night if that was the case because it was high and dry. So uh, he had some uh, frustrated looking fly anglers holding onto their rods and looking at the water, which everyone else was floating around on. Um, so I offered to pull him the 30 odd metres off the mud that he had to make it to the water's edge. Did he have the, the squeeze box or the banjo out at that point? No, he, he was a little bit ashamed then. <laughs> I do not want to get stuck on a boat with you, Rob. Because you're going to. Who carries a squeeze box and a banjo? You've got to be prepared, mate. You've got to be prepared. Graham Williams, you're expected in the tinny confessional sooner rather than later. Penance for Waddy, Rob? Look, I'm thinking confession has been good for the soul, Tim. I think he is obviously contrite, he's obviously penitent. There has been a considerable amount of public shaming involved. Owned it from the very beginning by posting it on social before, you know, we even got wind of it. Mm. Some credit there. Now, I'm thinking usually there'll be a number of slabs involved in this, but given the public pain and suffering and, and the way that he's gone about it with some character and some fortitude, I'm thinking the job is done, Tim. You You are are absolved, absolved, my my son. Praise be the mullet. Praise be the mullet. 
Feels good, doesn't it, Waddy? Hey, confession is good for the soul. That's a weight-lifted fella. Well done. It's good for the soul unless the nickname Glenn Watt Mudbank sticks. In which case, the confession doesn't help at all. Uh, that about wraps us up for the tinny. Thanks this week to Shane Compain, Glenn Watt Mudbank. <laughs> oh, no, don't do it to me. It's not fair. Mark, Mark Rubin and Ruth Patterson. Daniel Ludig uh, doing the hard yards out at Coburg. John Rousseau, Nikita Malis. And uh, Brian Redman. And to Clayton Archbold with that barrel with the no tail. Uh. Uh, Packy Andy. Apparently I'm not allowed to kick you out of the church just yet. Ian Pup. Puppy. Go old puppy, dog, old dog. Old dog, Wayne Wright, Archie Fletcher, and the big F.C. Russ. Tofu Ke- Russ. Tofu Russ. Uh, Kelly. And to you too, Fishos, to... To all those who send us emails each week and entertain the Church of the Tinny, whether you're just spinning the yarn, sending a pic, requesting a sticker, or getting involved at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Until next week, get a bit of fishy science up here.